morning, Sun Valley Church. This is our second attempt at the podcast for today. Did we really start over just oh, now? Yeah, we did. Okay, yeah, I'm glad. Because we... we got seven minutes into an abysmal introduction. <laughs> and for the people who hate the banter, uh, that would have been the end game. Like, they would be over. It would be game over for them. So Thankfully, Jordan Roland came in, and he had to get something, and, and we stopped the podcast. For the and, first time ever. For the first time, and restarted. And that gave us a moment to... Can we reconsider our lives? We literally just spent seven <laughs> minutes talking about nothing. Well, Mormon, no, the Mormons had a, a significant appearance. <laughs> you saw this huge Mormon tabernacle <laughs> that was being built in Moses Lake yesterday. I did, yes. Yes. Um, and we're not going to get into it. All, all I'm going to say is there's a new Mormon tabernacle that's being built in Moses Lake right on the side of the freeway. You'll see it if you drive through it. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. <laughs> We won't burden you with all the other things we just canceled. See, that was a minute. That was it? That was a minute. What are we talking about today? We're talking about the omnipotence of God. <laughs> what we're, does that even we're mean? We're avoiding the banter. What does that mean, Jeremy? No, I'm asking you the question. Don't no. start this with we're, me. We are co-pastors, no. and we are no. now co-podcasters. No. no, not happening. I. You've been going to the gym a lot, and I feel like you know something more about uh, potence. <laughs> Uh, omnipotence is is not something that either of us could know because it's not in our nature but it is in god's nature but but we can definitely know something about potence in i mean i feel like i do uh, but that's just me so what is what is what are we talking about man what is omnipotence (laughs) do you need a moment Okay, so, well, Sun Valley, we're on our third attempt <laughs> <laughs> at this podcast. Oh, I think we should have stuck with the first <laughs> first attempt. This is one of those times. I'm sorry, I asked. I'm sweating. I really, am. You just you just took your jacket off, and I'm I'm sweating now too. So we're talking about the omnipotence of God. It's actually very important. It is. It is. You know, for most of us, we understand that when we when we say God is omnipotent. Uh, we mean that he is all-powerful, he's almighty. You did answer it. I did. By, Thank you. By asking the question that I had originally written down myself. I don't have the questions in front of me. So this is going to go downhill even further. What are the implications? <laughs> you done? What? <laughs> Um, Rick, what are the implications of of this when we when we talk about God being omnipotent, all powerful, almighty, that there's nothing impossible for the Lord? Uh, what do we what do we imply with this statement? Does this does this actually mean that God can't or God can do anything? Um, well, just on the face of it, no, God God can't do everything. Um, because there are some things that, um, if he if he did them, he would see he would not be God. Like he cannot sin, for he's holy. It's his character. It's his perfection. So anything that's contrary to his perfections, he cannot do. Um, he, he, you know, he's he is the one who created all things. He's he is the one who, um, in his in his wisdom. His power, 
his sovereignty. Um, he created the the laws of the universe. Mm. Um, that was his that was his doing. That's his wisdom. And so um, you know, I was reading uh, J.I. Packer. I think it was J.I. Packer, and he was saying God can't make a square circle because that's a contradiction. Mm-hmm. And so things that are contradictory, God cannot do because it's um, it's not how He has created things to work. So, like, so in that sense, no, He can't do everything. Um, but what we do mean is that He can. He has the power to do all His holy will, mm-hmm. all things that he has ordained, all things that please him, all things that he desires, he has the power to do all things that are not contradictory to his character, his perfections, his wisdom, you you know? Sure. And so, yeah, he is all-powerful. It is what Scripture means when it says that he is the Almighty. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, when we we talk about somebody being... You know, we we talk about elites or you know these these super rich, you know billionaires. They they can do what they want, basically, right? Like they they have like the me. power. Yes, exactly. Yes, that's what I was thinking. But they Ish. have the power to do what they want. But when we when we talk about God being all powerful, it doesn't mean that God can can be a contradiction, as as what you're saying. Right. Like right. God God can't can't sin. Like Scripture explicitly says that He cannot. Yeah, lie. he cannot lie, yeah. right? He cannot change his mind. It's not, you know, things that we do. Right. That doesn't have to do with our power. It has to do with our sin. Right, right, right. exactly, yeah. But his almightiness, his omnipotence, this is actually such a fundamental aspect to the perfection of who God is that um, around his throne, we see this vision in Revelation 4, and the four living creatures uh, never cease to say, holy, holy, holy mm-hmm. is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We see a number of things about God here in this doxology of praise. Mm-hmm. We see his holiness, his power, his sovereignty, um, which is what we mean by Lord. Uh, we see his eternity. And so there's four four perfections that we see in just this one praise. And part of that is his power, his yeah. almightiness. Yeah. So... so um... So theologians, they they, when they talk about God's omnipotence, they'll they'll usually distinguish between His absolute power, and His ordained power. Ooh. In reference in reference to His all powerfulness. Wow. They usually do that. They oh they split it up. Do they really? Help <laughs> me understand that more. So what do you mean? What do you mean? No, I mean you have your systematic theology wide open in front of you. And well, again, I ask the questions. Yeah, but that's my job. Um, okay, well, could you rephrase? <laughs> what are they talking about? What are they talking about? His ordained power and his his absolute power. his absolute power. Well, um, God, I, like I said, he he can do all his holy will. Mm. That's his decree, and his his there's nothing that God ordains that he does not have the power to do. Then there's absolute power, which is the ability to do anything, right? right? I think that's what you're getting yeah. at. Um, what was your question? So so what, <laughs> what, what, what do we mean by that? What, what do we mean by his absolute power? What, what does that mean? 
So, for instance, I, what I brought up to you before we started the podcast oh, yeah. is is yeah. Christ on the cross. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a great example. So, you want to just go there? Sure. Sure. So, when Christ is on the cross, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, we have these. We have the Pharisees coming up to Jesus and saying, "He saved others. Why doesn't he save himself?" And then we have, you know, Jesus. I think it's in the garden, right, where he says, "Don't you know that I could bring down a yeah. legion of angels?" There you go. Yeah, that's absolute power. Right? That's that's yeah. It's all that God could do. That's obviously not contradictory to His character and will. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't use his power in certain ways because his power is always employed um, in his perfect wisdom, mm-hmm. in his perfect eternal decree of all things that come to pass. Um, this is such a huge comfort to us because there are things that we go... And actually, this really intersects with the problem of evil, which I think we should probably talk about in yeah. somewhere here. Um because God could do a number of things in our lives differently than he does. Right. And that's really, when we come up to a really pressing circumstance, uh, a suffering of some kind or other, oftentimes the reflexive question we ask is, why, oh God, right. are you doing this to me? Right. Or why are you allowing this to happen? Or why? You know, but it's the why question. And really that's a question of, of his absolute power. In other words, what we're asking, even if we're not conscious about it, is why aren't you exerting your power to change this? Right. Because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think it's good. Um, but what we have is his ordained power promised to us in Romans eight, when he says that for those who love God, all things work together according to. His will, right? right? I think right. I think I might be mixing up um, Ephesians one eleven there, so I'm just going to go look it up real quick. He works all things together for the good of those who love them, who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Well, there we go. So his purpose, mm-hmm. um, that's his decree, that's his ordained power, mm-hmm. and we have the promise that he is using his almighty power to bring about good even through evil circumstances. And there's two types of evil that we can talk about. We can talk about the kind of evil we saw down in Florida a week and a half or two ago Mm -hmm. with this massive hurricane. Hurricanes are a result of the fall. Mm -hmm. Destructive, you know, winds and and waves that that wipe out people's homes and lives. That's that's creation groaning as a result of sin. Then there's moral evil, which we see in places like Ukraine right now, or Nigeria, uh, where where believers are being hunted down by militants, or you know, or or Russia is invading this nation and uh, in in murdering civilians, that's moral evil. So we have natural evil, we have moral evil. Mm-hmm. None of those evils, as powerful as they are, have the ability to withstand God's ordained power to bring about his perfect purpose in the lives of his people. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, to fulfill the Great Commission and bring about the full number of the elect into his salvation for his glory and the, and the return of our king to reign. I mean, uh, Revelation is a triumphant um, book mm-hmm. that declares the victory of the Lamb. Yeah. Whose perfect power is employed 
in the destruction of his enemies. Right. Um, those who will not bow, who are warring against him. Psalm 2, I was just listening to that this morning, um, sung. And the nations rage and the people's plot in vain. The Lord laughs at them. He mocks them in derision uh, as if, you know, these people who thought they could do anything against the Lord. He says, now I've set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Right. You know, this is the Christ. And that's God's power on display according to his purpose. And so that purpose is shown in the cross where, yeah, sure, he has the power to be delivered by legions of angels, wipe away the rebels who have done this to the Son right. of God. But he doesn't. He will visit judgment on them 40 years later in the destruction of Jerusalem. And that's according to his perfect will. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think it's easy for us to... Um, even even beyond the, the 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 suffering that we can endure in mm-hmm. the Christian life, where we say, you know, why, oh God, don't you stop the pain that I'm suffering or going through, or you know, whatever. Um, I think we can do that even in in, in just our day to day Christian life. Of yeah. We see we see the things that are taking place in the world, and we can go, why, oh God, did have you not removed your church from this? You know why? Why? Why can't we just be in perfect fellowship with you now? Why does the church have to remain here on the earth? Well, that's that's God's ordained will that we actually remain here on the earth, that we could continue on the mission that He's given to us back in Matthew twenty-eight. Yeah, right. That's that's why John seventeen is such a beautiful passage, is because although He desires to be with His His church. He understands that they are they're remaining here or we are remaining here on this earth for a specific purpose. Right, right. And in this is Christ is reigning over all of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Um he's seated at the right hand of God. Right. And w- so whatever we see happening, it's never thwarting his purpose. In fact, that's what Job that's what Job says when right. he's dealing with the problem of evil and and he's asking the question why. And I don't want to at all come across like we're talking lightly about this because we're not. We don't right. take this suffering lightly. I mean, the conversations we have, you know, off mic about suffering are, I mean, these are grave and significant things. And as pastors, often we, we deal with the questions of why in the darkest moments of people's lives. And more and more, um, the answer, I don't know why, mm-hmm. is just right there on the tip of my tongue because I don't. I don't understand it. Um, and then we have to make a beeline for these, what I, I call them anchor truths, because they are anchors for the soul in the midst of a storm that would carry us away if not for the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and Job asked that question, you know, and God shows up and he never answers the question Job asks of why, what have I done? What he does, though, is he reveals himself as the one who is all powerful, who is all wise, um, who is eternal. And the revelation of his character is his is the defense. And the the Job has the right response in chapter forty two. He says, "I know that you can do all things." Um, so there's the absolute omnipotence, mm-hmm. and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Mm-hmm. There's his ordained omnipotence. So God has the power, and He has the will, mm-hmm. and He always uses His power according to His will. Mm-hmm. And the why is never revealed to Job because Scripture, as much as we want the answer, he it's that does not God does not 
<laughs> in his wisdom, he he has not seen fit to give us, you know, the question, you know, the answer to that question. Yeah, and that's 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 hard to live with, but I think it's that's one of the things of what it means to live by faith, yeah. and not by sight. Do we, in spite of some of the answers we would want to satisfy our curiosity, do we trust this God enough to worship Him? Yeah, yeah, and you know, as you were talking, Rick, Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine came to mind. Um, pastor's favorite verse pastor's favorite verse but really it it is one of those 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 truths that we have to come back to where where we actually have to live live um by faith in the unknowns you know like Mm -hmm. why is this happening to me i i don't know but this is you know god's god's decree or whatever and it it, uh, deuteronomy 2029 29 says the secret the, se- the, the seekers. The seekers. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things mm-hmm. belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And that's a, that's a tough place to rest because we, we want to know. Yeah. We want to know these things. Absolutely. Um, but what's the purpose of what God does reveal? Is that a question for me? Well, well, can you can you answer it for me? Well, you're the one with the open to twenty nine twenty nine. He says these things are revealed so that we may. What's the wording? These things are revealed. Uh, the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all that we may do all the words, the words that he commands. Right. Yeah. So God, um, our eyes need to be. It's that we may walk with him. Yeah. That's really what it what it is that we may walk with the Lord. Yeah. In love, in obedience. Um It's a good purpose. It's pr- it's relatively simple. It's just not easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's also not com- it's not complex. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. It's kind of a clarifying path forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that problem of evil is really, um, in almost all discussions of the power of God that I've read or listened to, that question comes up, and it's the problem of what is called theodicy, mm-hmm. um, which basically means a defense of God, a defense of God, um, which is really in in significant part what the book of Job is, is about. Um, and the problem goes like this, and it's probably a problem familiar to most of our listeners. Um, if God is good, then he does not, um, he, then he hates evil. Right. If God is all-powerful, then he has the power to stop evil. Evil exists. Therefore, God is either not good, he's not all-powerful, or both. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, right? right? And that's one of the most pressing, maybe even the most pressing apologetic um, problem that we encounter with unbelievers, you know, because they love to just, they think it's a gotcha moment (laughs) with God. Yeah, you say you have a good God. Oh, look what happened here. What do you, how do you account for the Holocaust? How do you account for, 
my wife who died from cancer or whatever, right? right? Real, real questions, visceral questions. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 those are those are questions that we actually have to wrestle through. Yeah. You know. Yep. And that's where being um, strapped to scripture mm-hmm. all along the way as we answer it is the, it's the way we want to go. Yeah. Sometimes I think, actually a lot of the times, I think that the question isn't genuine. Sure. Not that people don't have problems with evil, but I think they try to trap you. They right. try to trap believers and get them caught up in the weeds, all the while having no intention of actually wrestling with that question. Because I don't think it keeps nearly as many people up at night as raise the question right. when they're being confronted with the Lordship of Christ. And so that would be something we want to discern and, and pray the Lord would give us wisdom to discern. Is this is a real question from a person who's seeking or is it a gotcha trap? Mm-hmm. Um, because Jesus doesn't always, he doesn't, he doesn't always walk into gotcha traps. Um, sometimes he'll go there in order to then turn it on its head and mm-hmm. condemn the person asking, mm-hmm. you know, or, or reveal the evil of their heart. And then he'll press on to the heart of the matter. But then, uh, but a lot of times, you know, they don't get what they're after. And right. I think sometimes we should be a little harder on it, on unbelievers seeking to trap us than we are. Right. <laughs> Not in a rude way, right. but just in a way that's very honest. Um, sure. Because ultimately what the gospel is, is it's a call to repentant faith. It's, it's a call to trust in Christ alone and turn from our sins. Why? Because we stand condemned under judgment, and there is only one name given under heaven by which we must be saved. Mm-hmm. The gospel's not, uh, you know, we just did, my a couple of my girls and I were at the story barn um, at the fair with CEF, and the gospel's presented as an invitation. And it is. I mean, it's a, it's a genuine invitation to believe in the gospel and turn from sin. Uh, but it's not merely an invitation. It is a, a call of obedience. Um, um, we have a moral imperative to obe- to believe the gospel mm-hmm. um, because God is good, and that's how we glorify him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a call from a holy and all-powerful God to us. And so what he does in Job is very instructive to us. He reveals himself. He doesn't necessarily answer the question. And sometimes, you know, Paul goes there when he's talking in Romans 9 about the uh, the ordained power of God in yeah. his election of Jacob and not Esau, of, and showing his power over Pharaoh through Moses to condemn Pharaoh. And he anticipates the snarkiness of a person to say, well, then if God's all-powerful and, con- and ordains uh, and chooses, then why does he condemn us? Because who can resist his will? In other words, who can stand against his power? Mm-hmm. And Paul's response, I'm sure you know it, who are you? Oh, man. Yeah. Who are you, oh, man, to answer back to God? At the end of the day, that's, we have to, I'm more and more convinced that um, our apologetics need to be, like, it, it's all, the conversations we have with people about these things about apolo- these apologetic conversations, they have to hop into the Christian worldview. They have to get into that vehicle of the Christian worldview in order to even ask the questions that they're asking, trying sure. to undermine God. Sure. Because they're assuming um, that it's immoral for God to have power and not use it mm-hmm. to eradicate evil. 
Mm-hmm. Well, where did they get that idea? Well, they got it from the Christian worldview because God is the is the touchstone and in, in uh, standard of all that is good. Mm-hmm. And so they're using God's standard against God, which is an act of high treason. Mm-hmm. And so as we're talking about those things with people, we want to steer them back to realize um, you are accountable to this God you're calling into question. It, we can have this discussion, but it needs to end with what will you do? Right. Will you bow to him? Right. And that's where Psalm 2 comes back into it. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. Be wise, O kings of the earth, and warned, O rulers. You're not just trifling with a God who is patient um, and meek like Jesus was when he came. You're dealing with the Almighty, mm-hmm. and that has tremendous implications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And I think probably the best, um, if anyone hasn't seen it, I'd encourage you to just look up Vodi Bakum and Theodicy, T-H-E-O-D-I-C-Y. I'm sure it'll come up. And I think he was speaking at the Zion God Conference one year. It's just it was like my favorite way of dealing with this question that I've ever seen is he talks about, you know, college students especially who just think they're so clever because they're asking that question. You know, if God is all good and he's all powerful, then why doesn't he take care of evil? Right. And and Dr. Bauckham says, that's the wrong question. The right question is, if God is knows all things and is good and is powerful, and he knows what I thought and said and did yesterday, why on earth do I have breath today? Hmm. Because I am the problem of evil. Hmm. It's, at, it's my heart that is corrupt. It's my mouth that spews forth gossip and wickedness. And what does that deserve? Oh, the Lord is merciful. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to be thinking Mm -hmm. in terms of his power. (laughs) He's using his power to not judge me right now because his power was displayed at the cross. Right. Where mercy and righteousness kissed, as it says in the psalm. Yeah, that's good. Sorry, that was kind of lengthy, but we just got off on it. Yeah, no, no, that was good. Uh, so thinking about that that last point there, um, the cross of Christ and the power that was displayed at the cross, thinking about um, Christ who is fully God, fully man, and and um, His power um, to to take away the sin of man was was His death. Um, was his death efficacious for the whole world? Was it effective for the whole world? If you know what I'm getting at, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was his was his death powerful enough to take away the sins of the whole world? Okay, yeah. And this is really um, when we're do- you're really hitting on the que- one of the main questions that comes uh, with the doctrine of limited atonement right. that Christ died only to save the elect, right. which scripture teaches. Um, and we know it teaches that because, um, I mean, think about what's the alternative. Uh, so the alternative is that Jesus died for and actually paid the sins of people who are in hell. Mm-hmm. And, and then God becomes guilty of double jeopardy for receiving payment for those sins from his son and then condemning those sinners to hell because they don't believe. Right. It's unthinkable. It's impossible. It can't be done. Right. There's not a chance in hell. 
<laughs> literally, right? Uh, you know, that, that, that can happen because God is holy and just and perfect. Uh, and so, no, Jesus didn't die. Um, he, his death was not efficacious. It wasn't effective for, for the sins of the whole world. Right. Um, and we know that because there are sinners who are suffering the just consequence of their sins in hell forever. Okay. Um, but, but it was powerful enough to pay for the sins of the whole, of every single person that has ever been born. Um, because it was a limitless, uh, it was a sacrifice that's limitless in its power because it was the sacrifice of the almighty right. on that cross, the God man, Christ Jesus. So it was powerful enough to cover every person in existence. It was effective only for those whom the Father gave to the Son before time in a covenant of that would be for our redemption. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to realize that the doctrine of the effective atonement uh, does not undermine the power, sufficiency, and glory of the death of Jesus. Yeah. So there's a potential versus a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had the potential to save everybody, but it in reality, it only saved those for whom it was spilled, the blood of Jesus. Mm. But because it doesn't save everybody, doesn't mean it was only as powerful as the people it saved. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's helpful, because that, that, is, that is often an attack uh, on God as well, it, it, particularly in, in the avenue of the doctrines of grace, yeah. specifically limited atonement. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's helpful to think through. Um, we have we have a pretty amazing God. Yeah, yeah, and, we do. And I know that this has been helpful for me as as we've worked through these terrible questions that I asked you today. <laughs> was that in our first intro that we talked about that? I think it was in the second one. Too, the though. second one too. Wow, they Both. must have been really terrible they if we talked really about bad. it in the intro Maybe. we canned <laughs> and the intro we kept. They turned out to be pretty good questions. So I repent. I've, you know what? I have, unlike God, I have changed my mind about your questions. I'm glad you did. Yeah, I'm glad you did. Because they're they were they're pretty good. They're pretty good. <laughs> well, we Rick have had some some questions come in uh, for the upcoming podcast series where we're going to be answering questions from our listeners we've had a handful come in which has been good some of the questions are really good questions uh, some of which was answered today a little bit really a little bit what was the question that was a little bit answered today uh do you remember the one of which was dealing with with romans 9 you know if if, if god is love yeah 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 you know then why are some destined for hell and others are not Um, which is a which is a great question. question. So now we don't need it. We don't need well, to revisit more, it. There was more to it. Oh man, there was more to it than than how I just phrased it. But it okay, was, it's a good question. Anyways, we are still looking for more questions to come our way. Always that we would be glad to answer. Rick would be happy to answer. I'm not answering. I'm asking. I'm going to ask for the people that have asked I, for you to answer. I that don't question. like that dynamic. I think it's stupid um, because I think that you know you are you have a lot to bring to the table nope. and you need to bring it. I'm not bringing it. I'm bringing the questions. I'm going to ask those questions so good. 
<laughs> and you do. You do them very good. But I, um, I'm going to turn them on you. <laughs> you often do that. I love to do it. Anyway. Church, we love you. Look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Boys Valley. Have a great day. Bye.